Hi, and thanks for checking out the Dynasty Blueprint. This week, Matt and I welcome Dan Sanio back to the show. We talk about the value of Alvin Kamara through his recent struggles, some young tight ends to target this offseason, and just what went wrong with the Rams offense. We wrap up the show with a running back back to the future draft where we see three incoming rookies drafted. Check it out. Enjoy the show. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson. Matt, it is Fantasy Championship Week. We are headed into Week 16. How many championship games are you playing in? Just one. I, I took some hits this, this past week. Um, my redraft league, I lost. I was the only one, only one in there. I think I, in my seven um dynasty leagues i was alive in four and went one and three so it's a not so great it was it was a weird week for sure some high scores from uh several players julio jones christian mccaffrey of course went crazy Kenyon drake we saw the four touchdown game we'll get to him a little bit later uh and then lamar jackson on thursday night if you had some of those guys you're probably in good shape but if not uh, maybe you go one and one and three like you did. I want to I want to hear where you're standing too. But just a, here's a little heartbreak news. And of course, no one cares about my fantasy team, but my redraft team, I had Mike Evans, which of course I've been riding him and I lose him. The dude I'm playing picks up Perryman on Sunday morning, <laughs> starts him, and I'm just sitting there going, "Boy, a lot of those points could have been mine." But that's how it goes. I had a similar one. I I was facing the Evans. Uh, owner in a league and Perriman sat out on the waiver wire all week and I just let it happen he scooped him up and started him I did uh, I did still get the win in that one but uh, probably didn't deserve it based on that move or or lack of a move how many Super Bowls are you in I had a good week so uh, I was in seven semifinal games I won six of those so I've got six big title games coming up this week Um, my, my hit was a couple weeks ago when I I think I lost about half my games uh, at that point in that first week of the playoffs. Let's bring in our buddy Dan Sanio. Dan, what about you? How many uh, title games for you? Well, I didn't uh, I didn't have quite the winning percentage that you guys had. I had seven semifinal games like you, Ryan, and went through a total of zero. I had oh, a really bad oh, week. I oh, didn't get yeah, one. I didn't get one through, uh, whether it was a high point type league where your top so many go through or straight head to head. It was a bad one. I lost one by point zero two, oh. and uh, I had one where I lost by one hundred and thirty. So it was uh, <laughs> it was all across you were the spectrum. Everything. Yeah, wow, you were all over the board. Yeah, that uh, I've I've had those weeks too. But the the good news is you're on to the off season. You can go full off season mode now. That's right. Uh, which actually, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I'm I'm I feel like I'm wishing these last couple of weeks of the regular season away so we can start 
looking at rookies and thinking about free agency and the draft and all all those fun things that we love about the offseason and, and really that we love about uh, Dynasty Leagues in general. Dan, we've got you here for a couple more weeks. This week we're looking back at Week 15 action. We're also going to wrap up the show later with a running back Back to the Future draft. We'll draft uh, draft players from the 2020 offseason perspective, which is just around the corner. As we just mentioned, we'll include 2020 rookie running backs in that group as well in that draft. Let's start, though, with a little tight end talk. We saw Johnny Smith have a good game for the Titans this week. We saw Ian Thomas play well last week. Uh, these these young tight ends that we've been holding on our roster are starting to produce, and, and there's several others in that same range, uh, some guys who have had uh, good years and, and some who simply didn't show up. But they all still have value. I think they're all still uh, in that same range, as I mentioned, just outside of the tight end one tier. So we're talking about... Chris Herndon, Mike Gusecki, Irv Smith, both the Rams tight ends, I think, can be included in that at this point. Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. So a big group of, of players entering their second, third, or fourth year that we could target in Dynasty. That's when we really see those tight end breakouts. Dan, of, of those names I threw out, if you had to choose one to really target this offseason, who would it be? Well, picking one is uh, is probably difficult. I would say the biggest upside in that group listed is probably Irv Smith Jr., second-round pick to Minnesota Vikings. It's a, it's a guy that I feel like can do most anything but really excels as that kind of explosive playmaker-type tight end. And, you know, Kyle Rudolph's kind of getting up there. You're, he's still seeing some nice production, uh, you know, this this season so I think we know what's kind of ahead for Herb Smith as long as he does all of the little things right and stays on Mike Zimmer's good side I feel like he'll be the the probably the highest ceiling here I think someone that we've felt like has probably been coming on for a little while now even though he's only been in the league now for his third season and that's Janu Smith would probably be my next pick uh, mostly because I, I was a really big fan of him coming out, and he reminded me so much of Delaney Walker. And sure enough, he goes and gets to play behind Delaney Walker and kind of learn the ins and outs of that into an offense that saw you know a, a great way to use Delaney Walker. So it's been a little bit surprising for me to not see Janu really break out quite yet, but he's had a couple of, of decent games so far this season. Um and then somebody like Ian Thomas is a guy I really thought that would just be inevitable that Greg Olson would either miss time or kind of move towards the the um, the color commentating and and he just really hasn't clicked. He had nice usage at the end of last year. He's had some random weeks this year, but it it really feels like it's either he's either on or he's not. There's no really in between. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Johnu Smith would be my pick of this group, and it is a good young group. Some of it's recency bias. I mean, I thought he's looked really good the last couple weeks. Athletic, powerful mover, fast. I mean, they hand him the ball sometimes. And I don't know if our listeners know this, but since Tannehill took over, the Titans have the highest yards per play in the entire league. I mean, more so than Baltimore. I'm in on this in this offense. I think Tannehill is not a flash in the pan. I look at Rudolph, Olsen, Delaney, 
not only maybe taking a back seat, but maybe being like cap casualties or moving on with their life's work and not really much of a roadblock at all for those three you mentioned. Um, I think both those Rams are going to be relevant and we'll see more and more 12 personnel from the Rams and maybe Cooks isn't back next year. Another possible cap casualty. One other note, though, those guys you mentioned, Smith, Thomas, Herndon, Gasecki, Irv Smith, Everett, Higby. Irv is the only rookie. So some of these guys, their rookie year, you might have soured on. But remember, there's that rule. Rookie tight ends don't produce. And usually it takes two or three years until they really become relevant. So if there's a rookie or a young guy that you like that just hasn't done anything, don't give up on him quite yet. Yeah, definitely good advice. And, uh, I mean, all of these guys, I think we we invested in them as rookies and most of them maybe we've given up on. They've hit the waiver wire and kind of cycled through some different rosters in your leagues. Uh, but now for most of them, they are starting to see some playing time. Uh, Matt, you mentioned the older tight ends in front of some of these guys that are going to uh, hopefully give them uh, a better chance at more playing time. Any of those names that we mentioned, Dan, that you would completely avoid or you would actually be selling if there's any off-season hype? If the Herndon hype kicks up again, I think that's probably someone I'll be moving. I, I think Gasecki is a firm hold just because he does have a little bit of draft capital to his name, and I feel like he's done enough in his in his second year to kind of warrant hanging on to and kind of seeing where that goes. And you know, I was I was going to save that take for for uh, a subject later on, but I'm 100% on board with the 12 personnel in in LA with Everett and Higby. I think both of those guys are going to get some good runs, so those guys are holds as well. Really, only Herndon is someone I'm avoiding at this point. And when you look at Carolina, Tennessee, the Jets, Miami, Minnesota, the Rams, I don't know that any of those teams will be in the market for a day two tight end either they have other fish to fry or the rams don't have any picks you know yeah yeah that's a good point as well it feels like the majority of these guys their their role on their team is safe and they've got that upside to move in to a full-time role if they don't have it already let's talk about alvin kamara a little bit this is uh this is kind of a tough subject for me he's one of my favorites uh between he and juju it's been a rough year for me uh, it, it's not been a great year for Kamara. We know about the injury and maybe his recent struggles, uh, and we should say struggles in comparison to expectations because Kamara is still producing. He had he had 89 yards um, this past week, so certainly a, a respectable game, but not the type of production we uh, we had grown accustomed to from him. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week three. Dan, is, is Alvin Kamara still worth a top five pick in a dynasty startup draft? I think he's still there just because of what we have seen. I'm not entirely convinced that he's healthy right now. I feel like he's still been playing through his injuries from when he got injured early season. And, you know, it, it just it hasn't looked like the same powerful back that we've we kind of grow uh, had had grown accustomed to seeing from last year. I mean, he was running through players last year, running around players, running by anyone. It, it I'm not seeing that guy this year. I only saw him honestly early on. Once once the injuries kicked in, it kind of became just another guy. And and I guess injuries are going to do that to you, but uh, then you know, then the t- Teddy Bridgewater weeks where Drew Brees was out, you know, the offense was kind of here and there. And 
I feel like now is the time where you probably could get him for that discount. Maybe he's a late first now. And honestly, that's a pretty big gap when you're talking about startup values, getting outside that top four or five where you can really kind of get the pick of the litter. And maybe he falls to that like 10-ish value. And if if you can, you know, trade trade down or do something with a different somewhat high-end player to get into Kamara instead... I really like those types of moves, especially right now. Um, it, it just it, he feels like someone where we're going to get some news in the off season where he's having surgery on something, and it won't be major, but it'll be something that'll be like, oh yeah, that's why he wasn't playing very well. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, and I, I think he might be the type of guy too that, like a sports car, needs to be tuned up properly in order to really get the most out of him. And I think that Sean Payton knows that and doesn't give him the workload that McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, those type of guys demand, and he probably never will get it. And we've seen him be highly productive without that kind of role. I think it's also kind of fluky. I mean, no touchdowns since week three. I mean, I bet he maybe has two this upcoming week and we forget about that type of thing. But I do think he doesn't look the same, and I think it's injury-related. A lot of those guys... When something's wrong with running backs, and like when guys get old, one of the first things to go is their great, great balance. And I think he has maybe the best balance I've ever seen. And now it's just sort of average, and you don't see the crazy highlight runs like you used to. But I bet they're coming back. We've talked on here recently over the past few weeks about just the the running back window. Maybe it's we can count on these guys for three years, and, and after that uh, it – it starts getting shaky. This is Alvin Kamara's third year in the league, of course. Are you guys getting worried about his long-term value at all? Not a lot. I don't see an issue with shelf life quite yet. Usually I'm, I'm more in the five-year-ish window when, when talking about like the high-end years, and then you get some fringe years where it's, you know, it's going to be whatever. But uh, I still think we've got at least a few high-end years left of Alvin Kamara, depending on the offense he's in and who's running it. Um, and it depends on what else comes into the league. You know, it, it, it might be that he gets replaced by some of these new backs coming in and he's still just kind of playing how he's been playing. So, um, you can get, you can get pushed back by new talent. I don't think that's, I don't think he's going anywhere as far as what he'll do, but he could get, he could get uh, moved down just because of what's happening in the league. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely don't think he's a panic sell or anything like that. Uh, I, we're going to see a, his value bounce back. And as, as you guys have already said, he's still in that top five range right now or, or close to it at least. And we'll see where he goes in our running back draft in just a few minutes. What's his going rate though? Like if he cruises through the rest of the year in the postseason, playing sort of like this, then his stock's a little down. I mean, he's going to cost you two more than two firsts, right? Yeah. I think two first is the minimum mm-hmm. that you could get him still. Uh, Dan, what do you think on the trade value? Yeah, I think if if uh, you see any Camara listings on the trade block, I think you go start with a two first offer and see where it goes. Some owners might accept it, and you might not have to add all that much more to get it. I still think he's a three first guy. There's a there's a few where it's the three and a half, possibly four, and and that's kind of your your limit. So he's he's still up there in terms of value. So I think I think if you get him for two, that's a great that's a great deal. Well, and I think part of it, too, goes – we've talked about struggles of guys like Juju, guys like Odell Beckham, and, and Kamara hasn't really come up in those conversations very much. Maybe it is because he's having these 
kind of fringe productive games. I mean, he has, he has five RB one games this year. He has five more as an RB two. So he's giving you uh, minimum top 24 production basically every week. Um, but again, it's just not that same level of production we saw the past couple of years. So he, he's not an all out bust like some of the other guys that we talk about. Therefore his value hasn't taken the hit like those players. Let's move on now, and Dan, this is a a topic you alluded to earlier. I want to talk about the Rams' offense. Uh, Certainly has not uh, lived up to, again, lived up to the expectations from the past two seasons when it was uh, basically an air raid and just putting up crazy numbers all over the field. You look at Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Gurley, Cooper Cup more recently. They have all struggled this year. None of them have, have lived up to expectations Although I guess Gurley could, you, you could argue maybe he's actually outproduced expectations since we thought he was, uh, since many of us thought he was just done after last offseason. Uh, Woods has, has played well, especially over the last month or so. We already talked about the two tight ends who have traded off uh, scoring as the tight end one, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. Higby's now a tight end one for the season, even after basically just starting for the last three weeks or so. So that's probably says more about the state of the tight end position than it does Higby. And then a guy that we were all excited about, Daryl Henderson, hasn't really even seen the field hardly. I, I, it just feels like there's lots of changes coming to this offense. Dan, what do you see? Well, the NFL finally caught up, and it didn't take all that long. McVay got his season where he was kind of the hot, hip, new thing, and and blew teams out of the water last year, and that offense looked really good, kept defenses reeling, and no one could figure it out. Well, they had an offseason to look at it, and it seems like they figured it out. And I I think, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, I, I feel like this is going to be a team that sheds itself of Brandon Cooks, who, I mean, he's probably one more concussion away from from not being allowed back in the locker room. And I really think they can take advantage of these two tight ends because you've got one that excels at blocking who can catch, and you've got one that excels at catching and makes explosive plays who doesn't really need to be blocking. So if they can split Gerald Everett out a little bit more and take advantage of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, they're two really good wide receivers, uh, along with their two strong tight ends. I feel like we'll see the offense kind of rebound as they find maybe some new some new play calling and, and some different things. And then, you know, you look at Gurley, and I think I think you kind of got it spot on where he probably exceeded uh, expectations this year, even though it really hasn't been that great per se. It's been better than we expected, or some expected. I, I think people thought he his legs had completely been removed in the offseason at some point. <laughs> and as far as Henderson goes, I, I think he's just going to be holstered until those legs do, in fact, disappear. Once, once Gurley's you know, kind of on the tail end of it, which might be at some point next year. We don't know, you know, those, I guess the, the legs could go at any point, but the Henderson feels just like a, an insurance policy at this point. He, he kind of felt like it when he was drafted, everyone, I don't want to say everyone, but most overreacted and said, well, Gurley's done. That's it. That's all she wrote. Henderson's got this job. He's an RB one. He's this, he's that. And I'm not sure he's the, second best running back on this team or first you know the best running back on this team I feel like Malcolm Brown made uh, as has played well enough to to keep that work 
And Henderson, to me, you know, he's still only 22. He'll be 23 when when the season starts next year, which is plenty young. He doesn't have you know a whole lot of volume on his on his body. So, I you know this is this is going to be an offense that kind of goes where you know the the players take it. If if Gurley has to be done, they can fill in with Malcolm Brown or Henderson. If Cooks is gone, we're going to see the tight end step up, or maybe they bring in a third wide receiver like they had. So. I feel like the the Rams offense is due for a, kind of a nice rebound after a monster year in 2018, a dud year in 2019. It seems almost inevitable that they at least kind of find that middle ground in 2020. Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. I don't think Brandon Cooks will be back. When I think about this team, I often think salary cap. They have so many massive contracts, and they're not afraid to move on from Tlaib, Sue, you know, Peters, guys that they've invested heavily in. I think Cooks is next. I also think Gurley might be shortly after, though. I mean, how much, how, how many more years can you afford to pay him like the most expensive running back in the league before you you cut him and use that money elsewhere? Um, as for Henderson, I think McVeigh saw a lot of Chris Thompson in him from his Washington days. A little bit more well-rounded than Thompson, but. My hunch and strong indication is Henderson, they don't trust him in protection, and if you're a receiving back that can't protect, then we got no use for you. They're just going to blitz you and force you to protect. So my hunch is he's going to be a lot more valuable next year. But the whole key to this team, to me, is the offensive line. I mean, they're so play-action dependent. I always call Goff a fair-weather quarterback. When things are great and no one's rushing him, he's beautiful. But when the going gets tough, he's not. Like, look at the Dallas game. And I don't know what kind of resources, when you go five years in a row without a first-round pick, do you have to make the offensive line dramatically better? Although I will say it's better now than it was at the beginning of the year. Dan, if you're a fantasy, a dynasty player out there, kind of like yourself, who doesn't have any championship games to play in, your your offseason oh, is underway. Yeah, I, I had to get I can take it. <laughs> I had to get that in there. Um, but no, if you're already in offseason mode, for, for whatever reason... Uh, which of these Rams are you targeting as buys in a dynasty league? I think Robert Woods is eternally that that guy. He he never seems to be valued the same way as the other wide receivers. And, you know, Cooper Cup, with those monster games he's had, is still holding a pretty high price tag. And he was, you know, he was battling with Cooks for that number one price tag in dynasty all offseason and even early in the season. And then once Cup started to have those big games, he immediately became a sell. He may have been a sell prior to that because of where his price is getting to. That doesn't—that's not taking anything away from Cooper Cup. I, I still think he's a really a really good wide receiver, um, but he's not—you know—he's not a wide receiver one. And I don't think Robert Woods is either. But he's also not a wide receiver four, where he's—it seems like he's almost always valued for some odd reason, even if he's being taken somewhat high in startups. He always seems to not have the trade value. And honestly, I'll take the points. If I can get them for cheap, I'll take the points. How about Reynolds operating under the assumption that he fills in for Cooks immediately as the outside guy? You know, I don't know. I feel like they could almost easily replace him within the draft. You know, I don't think Josh Reynolds is a bad player by any means, but I think that's a a kind of a fall from grace to go even from banged up Cooks to Josh Reynolds. You know, the time that, that Cooks was out, we didn't really get to see that much Josh Reynolds, but it didn't really look all that convincing to me. And last year, he had a, he had a decent stretch last year, but um, 
I feel like they'd they'd be better suited to go to get that big playmaker type in the in the draft, maybe in the third or fourth. Yeah, and with the Dan, you already mentioned this a little bit, but with the way both of these tight ends are playing, they've got the freedom to uh, to not go hard after that third wide mm-hmm. receiver. Maybe they do stick with Reynolds, but it's uh, it's a smaller role, and and we see both Everett and Higby. Uh, as as options in this passing game, so they th- that is the good news. These the the tight end uh, the play from both of these tight ends has uh, has given them a little leeway, a little leverage with what they do with that third wide receiver spot. But what what about when Andrew Whitworth hangs it up? I mean, like that line's potentially a disaster. Well, that could be any minute. I mean, that now. could yeah. be yeah. Right. That could be in in two or three weeks. And you you said this, Matt. They've they've been loose with those rookie picks they've been loose with their spending and those things especially the draft picks i I, i'm i'm one of those that doesn't even really believe in the salary cap i think (laughs) teams teams have enough uh you know enough options and enough ways to get around the salary cap that it's not even something i consider very much but the draft picks are are a huge deal, and they've dealt those away quickly. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. They'll they'll have to nail some picks in uh, some day two and day three picks, and we'll see if they can bounce back as Dan uh, suggested they would. Let's talk about another offense in that same uh, that same division, the Arizona Cardinals, specifically their backfield. We we saw Kenyon Drake. I talked about it at the top of the show with the huge four touchdown game that, that really nobody saw coming. Uh, but he has owned this backfield since they made that trade for him with the Miami Dolphins. And nobody expected that. Uh, in, in fact, I think I, I probably said it. And I know I, I saw others say it, that he was basically a, a couple week bridge to when Chase Edmonds or uh, David Johnson was healthy again. I think that was, that was a pretty common thought actually. Um, that's that, that could not have been more wrong at this point. David Johnson's barely playing chase Edmonds, uh, is, is really not playing at all. Although both are evidently healthy at this point. What does this backfield look like in 2020, Dan? Well, uh, I mean, realistically, none of these guys could, could be here. Drake's an, un, uh, unrestricted free agent. So he could, he's free to sign anywhere unless they make a deal with him. David Johnson seems like a clear cut. I mean, just get him off the off the payroll type move. And Chase Edmonds, to me, he was never a guy that I really saw a, a ton a ton of potential from. I feel like he's fine to keep as as depth, but you know that one game against the Giants was. I mean, that was a flash in the pan game. I I don't feel the same with Kenyon Drake because we at least have seen it for a couple of years from Kenyon Drake that he's serviceable and is you know, probably in the realm of an RB2. And I don't know. I feel like we could we could very easily see Arizona bring him back on the cheap if that becomes an option, or we could see Arizona and Cliff uh, Kingsbury go after one of his type of running backs in the draft. I feel like it's probably a better use to, you know, pay Kenyon Drake, you know, as long as he's not asking for, like, top 15 money or anything like that, which I can't imagine he would be. But you never know. I'm, I'm not in those rooms. I'm not having those conversations. So 
I think the smart move would be for them to bring back Kenyon Drake and probably keep Chase Edmonds around just because I, I feel like having an extra year in the offense will only help him. David Johnson, to me, is is honestly all but done, which is unfortunate, and I feel like he's just he's going to be he's going to be cut loose. Yeah, I agree on Johnson. I might like Edmonds a little bit more than you as a number two, especially because the Cardinals just have so many needs. I mean, they got to use draft picks and resources on O line five defensive starters if they're going to run a lot of three four wide receiver sets anymore those guys I also think that there's a really strong chance that they take a page from the Ravens and start to start bringing in tight ends at a record number two um but I think the logical move is keep Drake you know you traded for him and I know it's a little different but Seattle trades for Clowney the Giants trade for Leonard Williams well, I, I think those teams have intentions of keeping these free agents to be after giving up draft picks for them. Um, and it seems like a good fit for Drake. I don't know why he'd want to leave unless they're just not willing to give him the money. So uh, I, I think you go in with Drake, Edmonds, and a fifth-round pick and then worry about running back a year or two from now after you build up some of the other areas. I still like Chase Edmonds as well, Matt, and he's actually a guy I would be buying. I was uh, impressed with him coming into the league. We saw, I think it was just that one big game he had before uh, he suffered the injury and, and put him out a couple of weeks. Um, I'm I'm not convinced that he's not the better talent over Kenyon Drake. Uh, that, You've disliked that Drake sound... for a long time now. I, I have. I'm, I'm still just not sold, even <laughs> – even after a four touchdown game, I'm I'm not quite there. I, I like him a lot better in Arizona than I did in Miami, though. But Edmonds Edmonds is cheap. I mean, as I said, he's he's not even getting on the field right now, so he would be a guy I would be buying. If the if the Drake hype is going on after this game, I would be selling him. Dan, would you sell Drake for an early second rounder? Yeah, I, I yeah. would. Yeah, Only, I would just well. because the the future's so uncertain, and if he doesn't resign with Arizona, it's not you know it's not a lock that he signs a a decent contract with any other team because I, I think teams are starting to figure out uh, unless you have the true bell cow guy that maybe spending money and draft picks and all of this on running backs isn't the best use of <laughs> of what we have. So uh, yeah, I feel like if you can get a high second for him, that's that's an easy move and. It's not outside the realm of possibilities that Edmonds is kind of our next Austin Eckler, where he kind of has that that one A one B type backfield, and he has those big explosive games, and then all of a sudden he's an RB one in a random season. So uh, I feel like that's definitely in the cards for Edmonds, at least as a possibility. Um, I, I still just, and I don't really like Austin Eckler either, but it just doesn't seem. I, I feel like. He doesn't have a clean line to it, even though DJ's a clear cut and Jarek isn't isn't under contract. It doesn't feel like Edmonds is a lock for anything at this point, other than maybe the locked in RB two role. This will lead us to our next exercise here, and it'll also give us our listeners a lot better idea if Drake or the early second is the is the play. How many rookie to be running backs right this second would you rather have than Drake, Ryan? Um. I mean, it might be double digits. Well, <laughs> at least right, right. That's enough said then, right. But you hate Drake. You hate the Drake. Seven or eight. <laughs> I don't like the Drake. <laughs> so is that is that about a, a pretty fair number? At least five. And probably at least another ten wide receivers. So if you get an early second for him, that's easy. 
that that's true when you think about it that way very good point Dan, back to David Johnson and, and also talking about the the draft that we're getting ready to start here. We did the same exercise with drafting running backs from a 2020 perspective about six weeks ago, and you drafted David Johnson. I know. With the 11th pick. So that's that's where we were just over a month ago that he was still being valued, at least in your opinion, as an RB1. We Basically haven't seen him on the field since then, hardly. Uh, certainly not going to be drafted tonight. I can uh, I can go ahead and say that. If you're, if you're a, a dynasty owner that is stuck with DJ on your roster, what's your advice? Are you, are you trying to sell him? Are you taking anything you can get? Are you just going down with the ship at this point? What's, what's the play? I hope he gets picked up by Tampa is the call. Yeah. That's Ho- hopefully, Harry, yeah, right. That's what you want. And then sell him. There you go. <laughs> That's the move. Wait, wait him out. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think. I mean, you. I'm not even sure you could get a second rounder for him right now in most leagues. Uh, so absolutely, hang on to him. See what happens this off season. Hopefully, it is good news for David Johnson. We'll see about that. Well, we've teased it uh, so much, we're going to go ahead and get into our running back, Back to the Future draft. We're including 2020 rookies this time, and we're starting with our buddy Dan Sanio with the first overall pick. I don't think there's much drama here at this point. I get the easiest pick and the most difficult pick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take I'll take Christian McCaffrey, Derry Sanders at one. Seems <laughs> like it doesn't even need to be said at this point. He, he's had an absolute monster season. Most people are referring to him as a cheat code because, I mean, when you're catching eight or ten balls every game and you still have the upside of 150 on the ground, it's tough to it's tough to keep up with that. Yo, so CMC 101. Yeah, we've talked so much about the value that Lamar Jackson brings, essentially offering both quarterback and running back fantasy points, and it's the same thing, and and maybe even to a higher degree for McCaffrey as both a runner and a receiver, and. It's not talked about because he's done it now for three years in a row. We've just gotten used to it and gotten spoiled by it. And he's performing uh, really at a higher level than ever. So he is the easy 101. I agree with that. He actually went 102, though, in our last draft. I was just about to say, I took Barkley, and we just gave Dan a hard time for taking Johnson. And I took Barkley <laughs> over McCaffrey. That might be just as bad. Oh, I don't think That's so. Not I mean, as, I, it's not as bad, but it's not as bad. <laughs> Barkley is still still in the conversation. Actually, if you look at DLF ADP for December, those two actually tied for the top spot, um, the exact same ADP. So, eh, I mean, I think that's a little silly. I think it's easily McCaffrey. Uh, honestly, if you want to move from Barkley to McCaffrey, you probably have to give a first rounder on top, uh, which. I would not be doing that. But I will take Saquon Barkley here at the 1.02, and I'll find out who Matt takes at 3 and 4. Yeah, I would have taken Barkley at 2 as well. I'm going to go Zeke and then Cook. They could go in either direction. Um, I just think Zeke has better blocking at this point, and um, I don't have, they're, honestly, they're very similar to me. I don't know which one I like better. All right, so Zeke, uh, Ezekiel Elliott went fourth in our last one, so virtually same spot. Dalvin Cook went fifth, and we talked last time about how he had, uh, or at least he was very close to cracking that top tier of running backs, which all off season leading up to the 2019 season was viewed as the big four, and he certainly has done that now. He's in that top tier 
with the other four guys and maybe maybe has even displaced one of them. But at 1.05, I'm going to take the fifth, uh, the guy we've already talked about, Alvin Kamara. I still see him as the pretty clear um, pick at this point above anyone else. So I'll take Kamara at five. That puts Dan on the clock for six and seven. Well, this is certainly a, a weird spot. I feel like there's three guys that basically all have the same value, maybe four guys that all have the same value before we get to those 2020 rookies. I guess at six, I am going to take Joe Mixon, a guy I've been pretty high on throughout. And the reason I'm taking him is because, we're again, we're looking at 2020, and I feel like the addition of what seems to be inevitable, Joe Burrow, and that offensive line getting pieced back together, and the strength of the wide receiver class, I feel like they are a lock to take not only either Burrow or Tua, but to also bring in one of those high-profile wide receivers if the draft falls in their favor. So all of that will only help Joe Mixon, especially that offensive line uh, becoming whole again. And then, Did you happen to hear my... Belichick say after they beat the Bengals that Joe Mixon's the best back in the league? Yeah, and, and honestly, yeah. that's uh, I, you can't really fault him for it because he has he he has all of that in his you know in, in his ability. He can do everything that any of these guys can do. And if you look at that Oklahoma tape, it's I mean it's he's special. Saying, yeah. he, he's he's one of those guys. So um, he's he's definitely got probably the, one of the highest ceilings I think of anyone outside of maybe McCaffrey. Or if we see Barkley get back to kind of what we saw last year, I feel like Mixon has the same type of ceiling as anyone probably behind Christian McCaffrey. So, and you know Jonah um, Williams is coming back. Right. That's going to be huge. With the seventh spot, this one is a little more tough because of what Kareem Hunt has done a little bit to Nick Chubb's value, even though I'm pretty certain he won't be a Cleveland Brown. I feel like I've got to take Nick Chubb. Just because it's kind of where I've always I've had him throughout the season. I don't think much changes. I feel like Kareem Hunt leads a different backfield in 2020, and Chubb goes back to that full bell cow role. All right, those are the exact two players I would have taken with the six and seven spots. So I like those picks. Uh, we did talk about Mixon quite a bit last time. Uh, just for reference, Mixon was drafted at the eight spot, and I think you you took him then as well, Dan. Chubb went six last time, drops to seven again. Not uh, not much change there, obviously. Uh, but we spent a long time talking about Mixon last time. He was uh, in the middle of his. Uh, major slump, or I, I guess technically he was at the end of his major slump that started at the beginning of the season. He really struggled throughout, and then uh, over the past month or so has turned it around. He's a, uh, I believe he's a top five running back uh, over the past six weeks or so. So really great turnaround for Mixon, showing off that talent as you guys talked about, and quickly regaining the dynasty value that looked a little tenuous uh, one month ago. That leaves me on the clock at the eighth pick. And guys, I'll tell you, this is about the spot where I start considering rookies when I'm doing my rankings among running backs, when I'm looking at the the veterans, the players that are already in the NFL, and I'm thinking about how I value them. And I'm essentially asking myself, would I trade the 101 for this running back? Would I trade it for... 
Josh Jacobs, would I trade it for Leonard Fournette? Would I trade it for Aaron Jones? And, and I don't think I would. So I'm going to take DeAndre Swift here as the eighth running back. I'm so pissed because, <laughs> well, here's why. First of all, I would have taken Jacobs there. I, 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 I'm going to take him here. But I'm a little out of my comfort zone with these rookies, and I get to take back-to-back running backs with these picks, and I so badly wanted to say, give me Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can't. Oh, so I'm going to take bad. Taylor Jake or Jacobs Taylor. Not the same. T- Taylor Jacobs? You could take Taylor Jacobs. Yeah, that but the, Jacobs uh... is better. And I really wanted to take Taylor Swift there. Oh, man. That, that, that would... <laughs> That would have been your only chance. Uh, I'm going to try to use that joke all off season. Oh, please Get used don't. To it. <laughs> Shake all it right, off. Dude. So you're taking you're taking Josh Jacobs at the nine spot. Of course, the Raiders rookie, and and that is uh, that is who I considered at the eighth pick, and then Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back or in, uh, incoming rookie running back, I should say currently at Wisconsin and expected to enter the draft. We actually, going back to Swift for a second, we we saw a report that he was in the draft, and then he kind of disputed that report. So uh, the expectation is that he and Taylor both entered the draft, but not official yet. Okay, guys, that puts me back on the clock with the 11th, uh, the 11th pick. And I am... Ooh, I'm, I'm considering rookie again. There's a couple of guys I still like, uh, incoming rookies, but Dan, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do <laughs> it. I'm going to go Leonard. I'm going Leonard Fournette. This did not go how I was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Leonard Fournette here uh, over my guy, Miles Sanders. I'll drop his name since I know you're not taking him at the, uh, at the 12th pick. Leonard Fournette, just still seeing the volume. We talked about it last time. They're going to continue to run the ball uh, and build that offense around him. So as the 11th best running back, I'll, I'll take Fournette. Man, I did not think Leonard Fournette was getting to 11. I thought he'd go earlier, and, and I would either get um, – well, I, th- I thought I'd get Jonathan Taylor at 12. But such is life. Now I have the decision to make between uh, Travis – is it Etienne or is it Etienne? Etienne. Okay, so my decision is between Travis Etienne and a pile of running backs I don't like. Aaron <laughs> Jones, Derrick Henry, uh, well, I guess that's probably it. David Johnson's still available. <laughs> yeah, you liked him a month ago. I mean, it's great value. I mean, he was 11 last last <laughs> month, and now he's, he could be 12. I feel like I'm just going to go with the draft pick because can I just take the 103? Is that an option? <laughs> Put 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 a name on it. You're taking Travis Etienne, the incoming rookie from Clemson. I like your thinking though, and that's one of the great things about drafting. I've seen some some dynasty leagues already starting, uh, getting rolling for next year, doing exactly what we're doing, except really holding their draft. And instead of drafting these rookies, they're drafting rookie picks. So you, you take the 101, you take the 102, and then in the spring after we know where. Uh, where all these players are landing, then you hold your rookie draft. That's a fun way to do an early startup. Any chance Dobbins over ATN? Sure, sure. That's I mean, at this point, yeah. yeah, at this point, I think things are pretty wide open. Chuba Hubbard is the other player kind of in that range, but we've already seen a pretty confident report that he's going back to school. I'm kind of holding out hope and 
uh, crossing my fingers that maybe he changes his mind, uh, but we'll see about that. So Swift, Taylor, ETN, and Taylor, Taylor Swift, (laughs) ETN, and, uh, and Dobbins look like the top four right now. Uh, we've we've already mentioned the names, but we had three guys drafted last month that were not drafted this time. Miles Sanders, David Johnson, of course, and Aaron Jones. Uh, none of the veterans that we um, that went undrafted last month were chosen this time. So that includes Gurley, Derek Henry, who Dan was um, Dan was considering there. A lot of the players that we've talked about throughout the season that have lost value. Uh, Connor, Carryon Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Marlon Mack. None of those guys honestly uh, deserve to be drafted. A couple that were maybe closer to consideration, Chris Carson, Austin Eckler. You guys like either one of those? No, Dan? Sanders, Henry, and Jones are my next three. All right. So that, that kind of wraps it up. I, to me, that makes me feel pretty good about the running back position. We've got a ton of depth between the twelve we drafted uh, and the and the names mentioned. We're we're on our way to twenty five running backs, and yeah, it might not be exciting to own some of those aging veterans right now. But if they're your RB two or RB three, you might feel pretty good about it. This this might be one of the uh, deepest running back groups, especially when you add these incoming guys that we've had in quite some time. All right, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint. We'll also be drafting our wide receivers, uh, including the 2020 rookies. We'll see if any of the incoming rookies crack the top 12. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.